this is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jesse and I are back. Thank you for listening. Listen, if you've tuned in once again, majority of you, we consider you family, whether we have 100 listeners or 100,000 listeners or way less or way more or somewhere in between. Jesse, you and I are back. I want to say shout out to our boy, Chris W. Powers. Shout out to the legend, and that's Miss Double L. Uh, old school contributor to the show. We just want to shout them out, let them know we're thinking of them, we love them, and we love all of you listeners. Is that right, Jess? Yes, of course we do. Uh, just you get daily reminders of you know why you need people in your life. Human beings aren't meant to be alone, people. If you're alone or you're feeling a little bit empty or whatever, you got to reach out to somebody. One thing, mental health is a bitch. Take care of that. Take care of your physical, take care of your mental health. Two most important things. Reach out you to know, people. You know what they say, Jess, a wise man once said, I get by with a little help from my friends. Ooh, I love it. How about that? We got, it. That's uh, good. we got fights that were last weekend. We're going to quickly recap Paul versus Anderson. Ooh. Was that two weeks ago? Was that last weekend or was <laughs> no, that two was... weekends ago? No, nah, we, we skipped last week all in general. We just went straight from... Yeah. We went straight from Jake Paul just beat the legendary Anderson Silva, so we're in depression mode. He, he hopped so on a plane. He hopped on a plane, and he looked terrible at uh, Crown Jewel. His brother looked great. He looked yeah. terrible. Yeah. And then here we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's like one it. thing. You know, one thing that we we should incorporate a little bit more is a little bit more wrestling stuff. Like, I get it. It's not real, but, like, it is real. Like we should incorporate it. Like, you know, the the Logan Paul stuff I think is extremely interesting. And it's yeah. unfortunate the injury that happened. Uh, I think he tore like basically everything in his knee. Uh, the poor guy's gonna be on the shelf for quite some time. But leading up to Crown Jewel in uh, the Saudis, uh, where Logan Paul faced off with the Universal Champion Roman Reigns, yeah. uh, the, the 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 tribal chief, if you will. He had looked absolutely phenomenal, especially for a guy who's not done wrestling pretty much ever, except backyard stuff or like maybe some things he did for his YouTube channel. Yeah, Logan done, Paul looked extremely he's, amazing. He's done a lot of training. He's done that thing where they stuck him in the performance center and he's been working with all of the trainers. And he's been working with the same guys that you've seen on, you're going to be seeing on TV in the next six months or 12 months. Um, just the develop, developmental guys. Yeah. So, Credit to him for um, pushing the ego to the side and going, I want to see if I can do this, and then being talented enough to be able to do it. I was watching a video the other day of D'Angelo Williams, the old running back. He did one wrestling match, and he was really good at it. And then everybody was like, you should continue to wrestle. And he's like, no, I got it out of me. I'm good. I want to try it. It was one of those, uh, how do you say... uh, list things like, bucket like list. but i took it off the bucket list yeah. and now i'm just gonna fucking keep it moving <laughs> um so with the paul thing again it's interesting to see 
how good he is. Now, I hope he comes back. And I believe he will. Not to spend a ton of time on this, because no. I do want to talk about the Anderson versus Jake Paul thing and the waves that are there. But um, the one thing that I did not like about this match, Jess, to sound like an old wrestling Jim Cornette school of you got to work, brother. <laughs> I think if in a long-term booking storytelling scenario, you have a 10-minute match, eight-minute match where Paul makes that mistake and Roman beats him. And then you can still do all the tomfoolery that they did for 10, 12 minutes. You can still have his brother run out. You can still have his blokes come over the guardrail and get beat up. You can still have that moment where he jumps off of the top rope and, and, and hits Roman. And you're still protecting your champ, not making him look weak. And also giving Paul all of that push and getting all of those clicks. Because that's really what it's all about, right? WWE yeah. loves to put those clips on the internet and go, look, this got 2 million views. This got 100 million. So you can still get all of that without making Roman look like, damn, you're supposed to be the most dominant WWE champ having lost in two years, but you're getting beat up by a dude off of the streets almost. Not like a real professional wrestler. Not like a dude that looks like a Braun Strowman or, or someone like that. You're just getting beat up by a dude that looks, again, like a guy that came off of the streets. So... Um, not the biggest fan of the booking itself, but that's just the old man in me. Jess, let's hop into Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul quickly. We did a little bit of a conspiracy theory show last show. We talked about how we thought if it was going to be close on the scorecards, they would give the nod to Paul. I thought it was very close on the scorecards going into that last round. Paul and him just kind of, Paul and Anderson bite down on their mouthpieces, exchange blows. And which was not a work fight, by the way, not at all a work fight. When you're throwing punches that heavy, and I'm talking about Anderson and Jake, um, you're looking to knock somebody out. Those, those aren't, that's not, this was not a glorified sparring match. These guys went at it, and Anderson getting dropped in that last round shows you just that. Um, but, but like we discussed, Jess, to wrap around again here, kind of a close fight. I think you scored it for Anderson. I think I had a draw, or maybe I gave Paul uh, a slight edge just because of that last round. Give me some thoughts on this fight. Uh, yeah, going from one Paul brother to the other uh, in this fight against Anderson Silva, we had discussed, you know, is it going to be a work or is it going to be a real actual match? Like, what are we going to get? Are we going to see Anderson go down? Uh, what are we going to see? Um, what I saw is what I, I have to agree with what you just commented on. It was not a work. This was two guys coming in, uh, both, you know, I mean, let's be real. Like Anderson is still, you know, 47 years old and he's also still crafting his boxing together. He's got professional boxing matches, but are they credible and who are the opponents? We can discuss and break that down all day. Uh, the the fact is, is even though Jake Paul is only now six and zero as a professional boxer, he's, uh, he's had to take on, some pretty legitimate athletes. I won't, I don't want to call them fighters mm -hmm. or boxers, but I, I will, they were legitimate athletes and he's beaten them in this fight. I think fighters fair. Yeah. So in this fight, I felt that Anderson was winning up until that, that eighth round. I thought I would basically, I just figured, you know, if Anderson can just avoid the big punch, you know, which did not happen then he's going to win a decision or it's going to be considered a draw depending on, you know, how much money they want to make for a, a potential, you know, next fight or something down the road. 
But then, like you said, both guys uh, just bite down on the mouthpiece and just go heavy. And we had seen earlier on Anderson started, uh, you know, slightly, uh, you know, throwing uh, slightly heavy slower. straight left hands, heavy hooks. He was like, you know, rinse, rinse, wash, and repeat for Anderson. Jake was out there doing his thing. Now, Jake Paul's issue is if he ever actually fights a technical boxer. Mm-hmm. He's going to run into problems. Yep. Jake Paul has a lot of power. We've seen that over and over now. He's got limited footwork in the ring, limited cutoff skills. He's not good at cutting the ring off and, and making it his own playground. He typically walks into the other fighters' playground and then just kind of fights their fight. It just helps when you have the equalizer, which is that right hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anderson uh, started off slow. Like we've seen him do it in mixed martial arts time and time again. Anderson kind of comes out. He feels out his competition. He feels out that first round, maybe, maybe a little bit in the second round. He starts coming out, uh, firing towards the late second, third round fights. Middle rounds I gave to Anderson. I thought Anderson won them solidly. Uh, I thought Paul took the first round for sure, maybe even the second. And then yeah, the first two were feel outs. Yeah, I agree with you. First two were feel outs. Anderson winning those middle rounds, which again I thought Anderson won them fairly easily. He looked to be the better fighter at that point in time. He was doing some of his dodging and weaving, his his bobbing and head movement looked good. We saw. Yes, we're going back to the old argument that we've done on the show a million times, which is: Are you scoring the boxing, the the fluidity, if you will? of the I'm I'm a Sugar Ray Leonard more type of a boxer. I'm a point boxer, if you will. Yeah. I'm scoring more punches, but my punches aren't anywhere as heavy as what Paul is landing. No. The the three or four that Anderson were landing were nowhere compared to the one really heavy shot now, that Paul and- would get off in these exchanges. Yeah. Now Anderson did have a shot that took uh Paul down to a knee. Uh I can't remember what round that happened in. Uh, so still showing a little bit of power, showing a little bit of ferocity towards those middle rounds. I thought again, there were a few punches in there. Again, what we saw towards the later rounds was Anderson basically trying to skate through the like the last three rounds. And that's where Jake decided to, again, Turn it know, up. clinch down and just go at it. And uh, th- that last sequence, the knockdown of Anderson in the eighth, was such a beautifully timed combination. Just yep. the duck from Anderson's shots. Uh, I believe Paul threw some sort of left before he swung over the top with the right. He mm-hmm. connects. Anderson goes down. It's a huge thing. Uh, to to cut this short, I thought it was a fantastic fight. I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought the buildup for it was was good and actually could have been a lot better and made both these guys a lot more money. Uh, but overall, such a fun fight Yep, to have. Such Jess, a fun so, fight. Jess, you're a million percent correct in everything you said. Once again, this is why I love doing this show with you. From the outside surface, right? We're just watching the fight to have a fun time, right? We're not watching the fight looking for Canelo Triple G. We're watching it almost as we've talked about the last 10 years on this show. Sometimes we just like chaos in combat sports. Sometimes we just like weird freak matchups going all the way back to Pride in the early 2000s and the late 90s. This is a fight from the outside surface. It was just fun to watch and intriguing. And again, just a, a fun fight. It wasn't boring. Now, if you want to pick at it, right, and you want to go into the inner workings of it, you're right, Jess. If 
uh, Jake fought someone that had, let's say, seven to eight fights, but a hundred smokers, a hundred, you know, Golden Gloves type uh, exhibition yeah. uh, tournament type of fights, an Olympic fighter, if you will, an Olympic level fighter that, again, probably has less than 10 fights, but has probably had two to four years of hard learning boxing when he was 15 to 19 and now he's 21 that kid would give uh jake a shitload of fits and might knock him out so they're doing everything right to protect jake and jake's doing everything right is he getting the same bag that he was getting two years ago probably not who knows but he's still drawing eyes and he's still able to generate big paydays so again prize fighting jesse that's where it's at he's able to make it happen speaking of prize fighting jesse let's keep it moving let's move on to the ufc here i'm looking at the main events here we're going to start with dan hooker versus claudio puelas i'm trying to get the lines here but espn's kind of being a pain in the ass right now jess uh dan hooker we always love um kind of feels weird the last four or five fights he's might have maybe traded wins and losses uh, Claudio Poles, 13 and 2. Jess, who you got? Uh, I've got the uh, challenger, actually. Uh, I like, I, we like Dan Hooker. He's a, he can be exciting, but comes Claudio, Claudio comes, comes bang, in. He, Claudio's got hands. Uh, I didn't know much about him, so I had to go look him up because I figured that this was going to come up. I cannot pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. No, me try. neither. I'm trying, though. So what I did was went and watched a couple of his fights, and this kid's got he, – he's got he's got the stuff, man. He's got the look. He's got a, a good build of, of skill set for him to go into this fight. Honestly, I think this is going to be one of the more lopsided fights. I don't think Hooker's going to be able to hang mm. tough with this kid for very long. I see a TKO for Claudio somewhere in the second round. Again, I like Hooker. He's a tough guy. He's a good fighter. But this kid, and I, yeah, I know using the term kid, you know, it's kind of loosely right now. But I'm just saying that yeah. he's he's the younger, up and coming, hungrier guy right now. Hooker's gonna. Yeah. So. This is a perfect fight for this kid to break it to the top 15 with yeah. being ranked 12. Full stock up versus stock down fight. I'm with you. I like Claudio, but I think Claudio might get a little bit of those main event you main card ufc jitter so i like a decision here uh also jess not looking for your thoughts on the fights but uh shout out our girl molly meatball mccann fighting on the uh fighting on the undercard here as well as dominic reyes a return from dominic reyes i've been reading things that dominic reyes is in a different place mentally and and they're saying this may uh cause make some waves here but we'll see right that just that just might be one of those things where you've lost a few fights and they're just looking for some filler so they go oh well he's He's, he's done this. So he's mentally different in a different spot. We'll see. Uh, Frankie Edgar. We love Frankie, a legend yes. in this sport. He is an underdog to Chris Gutierrez. This is a fool. He's already saying this is a retirement fight. This is his going out fight. It's in New York. It's in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I don't love this, but Jess, who you got? Uh, I'm honing again. Uh, Gutierrez. Uh, we, 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 Gutierrez. So we love Frankie. He is a legend. He has beaten the best, and he has been the best uh, in in uh, several or two weight classes. Yeah, I one thing that I thought was an interesting fact is he's never missed weight, and he's been in like two, maybe three weight classes. Never missed weight for any of those weight uh, those fights, even going from several different weight classes. The guy is a true professional. He is a good man. He is a good family man. He is a good. 
person to mentor these young up and coming fighters in his gym. And he does that. He takes these losses with grace. He doesn't complain about this stuff. I mean, you don't get much more professional than Frankie Edgar. He is a true champion. He's going to go down as the Hall of Famer one day. And uh, unfortunately, like many of the greats before him and many of the greats that will come after him, that last that last fight is just tough, man. Yeah. They try to they try to set you up. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Dana White did not give him a top five opponent or anything. You know, Dana White tried to give him a guy that was equal in you know skill set and measurements and everything else. But the younger, more youthful fighter, faster hands, better footwork. At this point in time, we've seen Frankie Edgar kind of lose a step or two with the speed, even which is uh, drastic in his the way that he fights. He's normally mm -hmm. the faster guy. Now he's a step slower. When you become a step slower, you get hit a lot. Just go ask BJ Penn in his yep. last five fights. He is going to get pieced up, and he's going to lose this fight. But again, we'll get to see him hopefully lay the gloves in the middle of the ring and say goodbye to the fans and then welcome his family. You know, like I, I just like the fact that he's going to be able to go out a healthy man to go and be there for his kids and his wife and his friends for the rest of his life. And you know damn well Dan White's going to give him a good-ass job doing some commentary or Yeah. You want, to you want to talk about an ambassador to the sport, and we always talk about it. I think Frankie's one of them. I think Frankie is a guy that speaks well, even with the wars he's been in, and has always had a good head on his shoulders, and has always seemed to be like he's looking for what's best for the sport, if you will. Um, listen, we're all going to be rooting for Frankie tonight, but I think we all kind of know how this is going to end. It's probably going to end with Chris via knockout. Uh, I I think about what you say here, and again, you nailed it. When, when you lose a step, but not only that, you were kind of chinny as is in some of your big fights. It's a recipe for disaster, if you will. I think yeah. Chris knocks him out, maybe second or third round. All right, we got the three bangers here, Jess. Yes, Justin Poirier, Michael Chandler, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have probably picked this fight five different ways in my head this morning on my way to the gym while I was thinking about this, while we were texting before the show. I was like, you know what? I don't know. I, I just, I, I like this, I like that. What do you got, Jess? Uh, I have also gone back and forth with this fight, man. Like, We've seen Poirier look really good, and then we've seen him look mediocre. And Michael Chandler, the same with Chandler, and Chandler is the same exact way. Like we've seen this guy just go in there and weird, tear people weird, up. Weird Bellator fights. He just had like weird Bellator fights. You know, that's the scary thing about coming from a from another uh, organization, especially when it's like a mixed martial arts thing, right? Uh, we've seen several guys come from Bellator or even Pride back when they got bought out by the UFC years and years and years ago. And you see these, what we thought at the time were dominant champion type people. They come here and they lose to like, you know, mid-card fighters. Chandler's been the opposite you, though. It's so opposite. difficult. Chandler, Chandler has become the big show. He proved himself over there. He had huge wars against the Pitbulls. He had huge wars against uh, uh, some of the other younger up-and-coming guys. I believe AJ McKee was one of the last guys he fought, I believe. Yep. Uh, he's had wars. He's won huge events. He's been the champion there. He came here and a lot of people just kind of thought, well, you know, let's see where he lays. 
well, he's done nothing but put on huge performances. I mean, I don't expect anything less, especially against a talented guy like Dustin Poirier, who's hot sauce, by the way. You can buy on the UFC website now. So a little shout out to Dustin Poirier's hot sauce. Go get some. I love hot sauce. I'm sure you do, too. Uh, here's the thing, man. Poirier is going to come out. He's going to look for that technical. He's going to look for the technical stuff. He's going to try to uh, come quick with the punches. And he doesn't really look for the big shots. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Chandler does look for the big shots. <laughs> I, I, I expect Chandler to come out swinging. He's going to look for some takedowns, possibly try to set some things up. But for such a, a guy with good wrestling skills, he's never really been a controller of a person on the mat. He's usually looking for strikes. This is going to be a huge fight. The way I see it is this. I think Paul gets caught in Ooh. some type of flurry. Chandler's going to knock him down, jump all over it, finish it TKO. I'm guessing somewhere in the first round. I don't think this, this fight gets out yeah. of the first one way or the other. It's going to be an absolute banger. But that's my thoughts on that. This feels like one of those fights where both guys, for some reason, don't like each other, but they're not vocal about it. And I don't know if it's a Poirier feels like uh, Chandler is, is in his in his area now. You know what I mean? Like he stepped into his octagon from the Bell, you know, from the Bellator cage. But man, to me, this really comes down to can Chandler make this a dogfight? Can Chandler get into the phone booth? and get inside of his chest and make this an ugly dogfight. If he can, I think he's got a very, very, very great chance of knocking out Poirier. Now, on the opposite side, can Poirier be patient, stay composed, stay long, stay tight, and show us, you know, a masterful performance where he's able to do a bull matador almost, but, uh, you know, with, with some aggression in there where you know you can make Chandler pay because he makes big mistakes and he's open for counter shots, I think Poirier has the power to finish Chandler with those power counters. I'm, I, man, again, right now, this moment, as we hit record, I'm leaning Poirier. I think Poirier stays focused and... Up, uh, upright enough, if you will, just outside of the pocket and bull matador enough to catch Chandler within the first three rounds. I think he catches him sometime in the third round. I don't think this fight goes past four or five rounds. I, no. And I think it's more advantageous for Poirier as the fight goes on because Chandler just he uses so much energy being that firecracker and being up in your shit and throwing big fucking Remember punches. Sean Shirk? Yeah, boy, do I, the muscle shark? Yeah, the muscle shark. Well, I feel like Michael Chandler is the muscle hamster. I like, like that. Like, he's the, he's a similar version to what Sean Shirk was. And you're Shirk right, would yes, always too. come out, try to finish it, huge shots right at the beginning. Chandler looks for those big shots, but you nailed it on the head. He leaves himself completely open for counters, which is how we've seen him lose to some of the, you know, in some of his bigger fights since coming to the UFC, so... So we've also seen Poirier get caught too. That's the thing. We've also seen Poirier sloppy. get straight up caught. And something the muscle shark did that was great was he had, was a, a next level wrestler, but used it to set up takedowns and use yeah. it to throw big punches. And that's what Chandler does too. Chandler does it to set up big punches. We saw him do it against Oliveira before he let Oliveira up and got caught. 
Right now, I'm leaning Poirier. I think he finishes Chandler some, sometime within the third round. Again, I might fuck around and be on Twitter retweeting this show and changing <laughs> my mind. It's, this is, again, one of those fights that we just love. And this is, I, I want to see this fight three fucking it's times. It's a banger, man. This, this is, is It's going to be a great fight. Absolute banger. All right, let me pull up the next fight. Okay, there's no odds on this, and I think that's because the odds makers don't want any part of Carla Esparza. This almost feels like uh, an absolute mismatch, right? And I think this because I saw Zhang Wally just pick up uh, Naganu on a video, and because of that, I'm like, like carry him around for yeah, twenty minutes. Picked him up, yeah, she picked him up, and like she was gonna, she was gonna fucking hit him with an Arn Anderson spine buster, and I was like, God damn. <laughs> Some Ron Simmons, she didn't hit him with some Ron Simmons shit. Bro, I was like, he's about to hit Naganu with a dominator, and I don't like he's smiling, but I think he's scared a little bit, and he might even be horny. Um, so, uh, Jess, who you got? Uh, man, I it's I for me, I'm like a hundred percent sure Wiley Zhang wins this fight. Yeah. She becomes the strawweight champion. Uh, with Rose kind of out of the way for right now, uh, no other real title challengers. It, that it's that weight class, unfortunately, is not very thick. It's super thin at the top. They gotta create not new a stars. lot of people They're trying to create new stars, but they got to create new stars. You, we're going to eventually see some, you know, of the the same repeated matches for title shots for a minute until they can start bringing up some new challengers. But in this fight, Carla's as far as just She's way out of Wiley's. She's out of her area. Can you like, see a she, scenario where, where Zang goes on a two-year run here where there's just no one in the division? And this happens in the women's uh, championship circle. We saw it with Johanna Violence. We saw it with Cyborg. And now I think we might see it with Wiley. Jessica, you see a scenario where she's just dominating broads for two years. No, that's that's a that's 100% that that that's a uh, an it's actual that's an it's actual possible reality for that division is Wiley comes in uh this you know she comes in tonight takes the belts away from Carla and don't get me wrong like Carla's a talented she's a talented fighter she is yeah. she's super talented she's it's uber just, nice it's a bad matchup Stup- but don't it's just that. like don't do she's a sweetheart Jess. Don't we can't we can't talk enough on this show about how styles make fights for in like any sport, right? Like you have certain mm-hmm. NFL matches where you're like, oh, well, normally I would say this team would beat this team, but this team's got some shit over here that, you know, well, in this fight, it, it's stylistically, it's a terrible matchup for Carla. I hate that because I love her. She's a great fighter. And again, super, super just doll, man. She's love her to death. Sweetheart. But this is a bad matchup. Wiley Zhang's a beast. She's an animal. We don't use this much anymore, but she's a straight up killer. Sometimes you just happen to have that gene, right? You have that genetic, Mm -hmm. that genetic mistake almost where when you're in this sport, all you know is just to destroy and dominate. And that's her. Like she'll go out on her shield for sure. We've seen it. We've seen her just in some wars, but that's the only way she knows how. She's not gonna. She's not gonna go down real. You know, she's not gonna uh, go down too super soon. The first, uh, the second rose fight was kind of a fluke. I felt, uh, but she is a dominator. She wants to go in there and take somebody's arm, take somebody's leg, and Carla's the victim tonight. But over under two rounds. No, there's no under. way under t- under okay. two rounds. 
under two rounds. Yeah, I, I, I think if Wiley makes it to the third round, it's going to be one of those things where she just looks like mankind, where she's just got that eye hanging out, and <laughs> she's like bleeding through her hair, and just, you know what I mean? It's just an, a recipe for disaster. Um, I like Wiley. I like Wiley within two rounds for everything that we've just said within the past few minutes. So I'm going to keep it moving. Alex Pereira, Pereira uh, versus Israel Adesanya. Quick uh, tinfoil hat moment, Jess. I think the Dana's over Israel, and if you and if you think I'm wrong, let me know. And I might and I might have even got some of this off of you. You might have planted the seeds here. I think Dana is over Israel not being as entertaining these last three fights as he was his his first like his his five fights prior to being champion or getting that title and the Costa fight and the Whitaker fights and the and the and the Kevin fight, and I think Dana wants nothing more than to get the fucking belt off of this guy. Uh, with that said, Jess, what you got? Uh, he did go through that phase with Anderson. We we're just speaking about Anderson Silva. He mm-hmm. kind of went through that phase where there's like three or four championship title defenses where he just kind of floated through and looked really shitty and still won fights. But Dana was not happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can so see he was that. Like, he was like leaving in the fifth round and shit. Exactly right. Like Dana's like not there to put the belt on him. I think they had one of these. He wasn't there to put the belt on a moment. I think. I believe. I believe. I was about. To- I thought that there was a championship title defense where Dana did not show up to put the belt on one of the two. I think it was the last one. He he kind of picks and chooses. But here's the thing. Uh, Dana White is fucked because Israel Adesanya is the most talented guy in that division. (laughs) Alex Perea got lucky as fuck in that that kickboxing match. Go back, watch that entire fight. Izzy beat his ass. For every second up until that last that last connection, that was a Izzy had his his guard down for a split second, thinking I'm coasting to another win, and he got caught. Other than that, he had beat Alex's ass every single round. Watch the fight, man. Like I'm telling you, like I did, you, I did watch the fight. You, every every MMA fan right now wants to make I, it sound like Alex Perea has a shot in the dark. He does not. Izzy is going to come does. in. He's crazy. going to dominate his ass and finish him within three rounds. I'm putting I'm putting my my stamp of approval on that shit. This is it. The, the, this is your Izzy, Izzy ain't, ain't fucking around. This is like this is like one of this is like the chill. This is like Chael versus Anderson one, right? Wow. Chael kind of has this upbeat take on things. He's pumping himself full of the testosterone so he can try to mm-hmm. manhandle little Anderson. If you notice, I'm not Alex again. Unprofessional or professional, doesn't matter how you see it. He came in, almost missed weight, took him three shots to try to make weight. He's a big hoss. But you understand going into this, that it's the biggest fight of your entire career. You do not fuck around. You make sure you make weight. You make sure your cut's good. You make sure that your training has been even better. And this is a guy who seems to have been flaking off a little bit somewhere down the road, whether it's a mental mistake or a physical mistake. I'm telling you, Adesanya will look the best he has looked since winning the title when he fights and dominates Alex Prey tonight. Uh what round? Uh, I'm gonna think? go I'm gonna go uh second round. Wow, you're I'm going second round. You're wild Izzy right finishes now. him quick. 
And the reason being is this. Now, Anderson used to take this approach of a fighter that he knew he could dominate and win very easily. He would toy with him and play with him for five rounds before winning what most people would consider a dominant decision win. Izzy doesn't want to go down in history like Anderson outside of the Mm -hmm. fact that he's known as the greatest middleweight champion of all time. He doesn't want to go down that path. I guarantee you he is amped for this fight. He will be ready. We will see a more kickboxing style from Izzy. He will come out and he will he will uh, attack a little bit more than he has in the past. And another thing is this. I don't believe that Alex Perea, as, as good as he is in kickboxing and his striking has looked good, even in the UFC, against much lesser opponents, Israel Adesanya is a much better kickboxer and a much better striker. So I believe that he's going to come out and he's going to show that right off the bat. I just think that, uh, so first of all, I watched the fight, the kickboxing fight. It was a competitive fight that went later into the fight. And Izzy did get caught with his guard down. Whether he was winning the fight, that's that's up to dispute. I, I could see some people saying either or. It's closer closer fight than what I think you're you're calling it. But Israel was beating his ass at the moments. Um, is this is a this to me is a I I think that the kid's a little bit too young. I think he's a little bit too green. And this is not a kickboxing fight. No, nope. this is an MMA fight. And Alex has not fought someone at this level. And when you go from a Sean Strickland, who's great, but not a style bender, it, it, it changed. It's just another dimension. And I think if Izzy wants to use cage control, which I think he will, if he wants to pump him up on the cage a little bit, if he just wants to trip him and just do things that mentally you can't do in a kickboxing that will fuck with you a little bit. Because it's one thing if you knock someone out in a kickboxing fight where it's only kickboxing rules and only that applies. It's another when you're fighting in a cage and a guy can fucking trip you and knock you down and take you down and hold you down and, and test your conditioning. They're just two different fights. And I think that Perea, maybe in a after another three, four, five, Great hard MMA fights. Maybe then I'd say, okay, he's he's ready for a style bender. But this is just, it's just too early. It's just yeah. too early. Now, if he catches Israel again, and this just ends up being, this is his Joe Frazier to his Muhammad Ali, <laughs> which happens, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. If that's the case, his wife would do his Anderson Silva. Fuck, we'll see. We'll see. And I think that that makes for an incredibly interesting moment in Adesanya's legacy. Because I think you're nailing it, Jess, again, where this is a moment in time where if Israel knocks him out in violent fashion or chokes him out or does something like that. A finish. A finish. A definitive finish. You go, all right, well. Two different styles. Styles make fights. But it, it's it's kind of that, yeah, you beat me here, but I beat you here type of thing. Yeah, you beat me in kickboxing, but on this level, I, I beat you. So now what's up? You, you know what I'm saying? You could, It takes a little bit of a shine off of that, if you will. I'm about to sneeze in a moment. I'm fighting it here. We might have to edit this. <laughs> I think I'm through it. But, that, uh, but also, if Israel loses, imagine how enormous of a hit that is to everything, his legacy, his story in MMA, a a story where 
we've heard it before in combat sports where you know hey this guy was great but he got beat and he got beat in a wrestling match by this guy and then they fight and they fight in mma and he beats him by just getting out wrestled or yeah you know he was this but then they used to spar all the time and he fucking would beat his ass in sparring and then they fought and then he actually beat him this this to me holds a decent amount of weight to the legacy of israel i think this to me is more than just your traditional he's beating a line of guys now again if he beats alex i'm still going to chalk it to this is so early in alex's mma career this is almost too early of a jump and if we see israel fuck around trip take him down throw some wizard choke on him you know what i'm saying which i don't think will happen but if we do see that we're gonna go well, damn, that's a true guy that's been training combat sports and mixed martial arts versus a dude that's just been training kickboxing his whole life, which yeah. is in play when you're in a cage. Um, I'm going to Israel. I don't think Israel knocks him out. I think that Israel gets some weird trip date takedown late in the fight, like in the fourth or fifth round, where Alex is just gassed because... Israel's made this an MMA fight, a combat sports fight. He's put him up against a cage. He's he's made him exert energy doing other things and standing and circling and throwing cute kickboxing wheelhouse kicks. Um, and in that fourth or fifth round, Israel's gonna break his ass. He's gonna yeah. get that trip takedown and 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 throw those those half mount punches, rain those elbows down, and Alex ain't gonna want no part of that. Either he's either he's tapping or looking at the referee going, you know, help me or the fucking cornerstone. He's it's getting stopped. It's getting stopped. It, going fine. It's gonna be huge because you mentioned it earlier, Sean. You don't go from Sean Strickland to Israel Adesanya. You, that's you don't. just too big of a leap. Sean Strickland, if that's your if that's the biggest win of your career, that's something to hang a hat up on for sure. Let's be like, hey man, Sean's a tough, tough dude. But Sean Strickland also doesn't, he lacks a lot of skills that Adesanya has in bunches. And Sean Strickland's going to go and just try to punch out with you. And that falls into Alice Perea's game because he's a kickboxer striker. That's what, that's his wheelhouse. Let me see. I'm, let me I'm see him you, fight. I'm looking forward to this fight. Let me see him fight Marvin Vittori. Let me see him fight someone like that. Let me yeah. see him get real MMA reps in. And with guys that are gonna take them, take them to the fucking grindhouse. You know and what I'm saying? And like, actually, that's a great, that's a great fight because, again, now you have another kickboxer turned MMA fighter. Now you can, now you can, you can, it's balanced. Your ass you test out. your but skills, right? Grind it, your ass out, Jess. That exactly. motherfucker's gonna be up in your chest and be trying to trip, take you down, and be trying to lock shoulders with you and trying to get up, be and outman you. Just straight out fucking silverback gorilla shit. And I don't think that he's been in enough of those. And he didn't yeah. get into that with Strickland because Strickland's ass ended up wanting to stand with him when he got knocked out for it. We've seen that I same wanted... thing happen with Sage Northcutt when Sage Northcutt yep. was the beauty of the UFC and everybody thought that he was going to be a champion someday. The, now, first time, the first time he got thrown into tough competition, deep waters, you know, it was too much for him. Now, I mean, we, we've seen it happen yeah, with now other let's guys give him too. a year though but let's yeah. give him a year Jess let's see what yeah. happens after he loses his fight and he licks his wounds and he comes back and he gets another tough fight because they're gonna throw him right back in there with a top four top five competition that's how yeah. the UFC is well and that then could be we're another see, thing then we're gonna see where his growth is at right because he just got humbled he just got his ass whooped 
by Israel, the champion. Now he's now he's on his comeback trail. Now he's on the comeback. Because and the UFC again could be tough. Fuck if yeah, you go from, if you go from Adesanya and say he loses, let's just what? let's just say he goes, he loses one way or the other. Decision finish don't matter. He loses tonight. What his next fight's a top five guy, so now he's got to go from the champ. To, I don't even think Perea is really top five at all right now as it is. I don't think that he's had enough fights. He's not fought enough competition to even crack the top ten. Let's how does he in a title fight? How, how does, does he, he fight do when he fights? How does he fight Robert against Whitaker? Whitaker? How does he fight against Acosta? Exactly. How does That's he fight tough. against Victoria? How does he fight against these guys? That is a tough balance. Oh, hey, be. listen. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, we had a good 40 minutes of MMA. Let's do we it. We both like a sign tonight. Let's yes. hop into the NFL. We've had some interesting shit going on here the last few weeks. I'm dying to talk Bills football here with you. <laughs> Let's start with, we're not going to touch that Thursday night game. I believe it was pretty stinky, pretty mid. We're going to go with our favorite website, The Lines. It's got all of your favorite sites, DraftKings, Caesars, FanDuel, BetMGM, even though you can't bet gamble in California. Shout out to the California voters who voted that right down. Keeping bookies alive and well. Keeping the vig in play. <laughs> keeping, keeping Fat Tony, Fat Tony alive and rich as hell. Someone's got to pay for Fat Tony's Escalade. That's right, man. Somebody's got to put the 24s the on that bitch. It's like NASA. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, the Seattle Seahawks. The, we're going right into sex. Let's right into sex, though. Two and a half point dogs to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a two and a half favorite at home. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Who you got? Uh, it's an obvious case of uh, Vegas says the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at home. It's, what's what's odd They're is usually the home team up. usually They're gets three points. Straight up. Usually the home team gets up, three points. This is it's weird to have it be like two two and a half points. It's weird. You know what? I'm taking the upset special anyway. I think the Seattle Seahawks are the more complete football team right now. Geno Smith still playing pretty decent quarterback. The running back Kenneth Walker, that kid is just crushing people. Uh, playing extremely spirited football in Seattle. Pacific Northwesters are very happy right now. I planted the Tom Brady comeback, going to make all 40-year-old divorced dudes feel better about themselves. See, last time we recorded the show, I'm not coming off of that. I like Tampa Bay. I like the points. I like something like 17-24 Tampa Bay. Uh, God, the second game, they're already giving me the sexy game. I'm going to skip right by it. The Detroit Lions, they're playing the Chicago Bears. Shout out Chris W. Powers. We were just talking Justin Fields. I've been in my other chat. Shout out to my Bears homies. And we've been keeping an eye on Justin Fields, Jess. We've been quick to beat him like a pinata all season. Let's give him a little bit of love. These past two or three weeks, there's been a little bit of a turnaround here, a little bit of progression, Jess. Are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing? What I'm seeing is the guy who is kind of taking the cowboy route, which – uh, being a Buffalo Bills fan and having Josh Allen on my team, I understand that. For for a minute or two, Josh Allen had to do every single thing for the Buffalo Bills because they had no talent around him. So he was running the football, throwing the football. He might as well thrown in the, top the same football. Justin Fields has finally made a decision. No one else on my team is as good as I am. I'm the most athletically gifted person on this squad. I'm the quarterback. I'm now the running back. If I have to, I'll be the wide receiver and I'll play tight end. And he's taking the games over as much as he can. I have to give him credit for what he's been doing. 
but the statistics still aren't there. He's he's still very inaccurate with the football. Uh, he's he still makes poor decisions more often than he makes better decisions. I understand it's a growth period for Justin Fields, and I, I'm willing to give him the rest of this year and next year before I really start hammering down on the Chicago Bears. But what I'm seeing right now is a guy who basically thinks no one else on this team is as good as I am. Everybody else sucks. The coaches suck. Everybody sucks. The only way that we're going to put any points on the is damn football. And so he's doing it. So props to him for taking the game upon his shoulders. Who do you got, by the way? Bears or the Detroit Lions? The, uh, Bears, Bears, Bears are a three point Bears favorite. Win. Bears three win. Point, sloppy three point favorite ass game. Sloppy ass game. It's like 23 20, something like that. Maybe even less. Who knows? Bears yeah. win, though. 23 feels high. This feels like. Yeah, 23, if, it's if 23 Detroit, feels high. If the, but I mean, Detroit's. I felt like Detroit was scoring points at some point early in the season. Maybe they've regressed a little bit. The shootouts aren't as there as much. It happens, right? It happens. The moment we start saying what's going on with golf. So um, I'm, I'm, I have went from, I am all off of fields. I was right about him and I, and I didn't love him. And and he's going to be a bottom tier guy too. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not putting a glass in my hand yet, but I'm not going away from the punch bowl. Like I'm kind of hovering around it. I'm seeing what I'm seeing. I'm looking at the people drinking from it and going, I don't know. Is that guy, is that guy cool? <laughs> um, I, I just, I see stuff that I love. I see throws that I love, Jess. I see this a little bit of a better quarterback vision, which I think is important. He's not, he's not yet. You know, again, I'm not ready to invest yet. And I still think if I'm a Bears fan, I'm still going, oh, give me another eight to 10 games here. Let's really see where it's at. And I hate the idea of having optimism at the end of the season. And then they go in and they blow it up and the line gets changed. And this new receiver comes in and this, this whole thing changes, but I'm not out. Let me say just that I am not out. I am in on the bears this week. I think this is going to be something like 23, 17 bears, bears win bears cover. The Tennessee Titans, they are at home. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite to Let's Ride and the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I read Denver. I read Denver's trending up. I read some stuff about Russell Wilson here. I'm starting to read uh, negative stuff coming here, positive stuff coming there. Jess, who you got? Uh, I've got the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I like them to cover, too. That two-and-a-half is a small, a small point spread. I think Tennessee wins by nine. You know, maybe I, I can see he's, it being almost. I could almost. See I didn't know being, who the quarterback is. Who's the fucking quarterback? I believe is it's it, going to be Malik Willis. Yeah, I don't know. And, but here, here's what I'm saying. I saw this kid play against Patrick Mahomes, and I saw the Tennessee Titans almost beat Patrick Mahomes. Even after Mahomes put up that huge day, he still had to come back just to beat Malik and the Tennessee Titans. The defense, Tennessee's defense is on point right now. Mike Vrabel has them on another level. Uh, King Henry is running the ball like yep. he's like three years prior. He's 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 found that fire. He's running the ball hard. He's running it effectively, not not recklessly. And the best part is, is if Malik uh, can get a, a few more reps in and start learning to at least just dump the ball off the people. The Tennessee Titans have 
some playmakers on that team, and they will be able to make some plays and get some some positive yards out of the receivers, the running backs, and tight ends. And let's not forget that this kid can run the ball. He, I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson. I do not love what their offense was doing last week. I felt like they were running the ball uh, four times to every pass, and then every pass was like play-action pass, throw the ball one yard as far on a play-action. I just didn't like anything they were doing. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Good. No, I, I agree. I, I don't like the play – Think that I think that the 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 best way to fit Malik Willis into the game plan if he's going to be the starter uh, is to shorten the playbook a lot. I think they've shortened it extremely. And, and they, the need, they need they need to give him four to six offensive plays to run at the line. But you gotta just, have one of them throw a deep ball to someone just to keep the fucking defense honest. Yeah, because it, there's points where you were looking at the defense they were playing last week, and you're going, they're just fucking playing eight in the box, and and they're playing one on one fucking defensive backs, and they're daring him to throw, and he's just well, not the, doing it. He's just not doing it. The Titans are getting Traylon Burks back, so he's kind of like their. He was their big play guy, even though he's not necessarily had a great season. He is a rookie wide receiver in this league right now. So it's tough. He is coming back this week. He's healthy. So that at least gives him a big body downfield guy to throw the ball to. But I'm telling you, shorten that playbook. Give him four to six plays on his wristband. And that's if it. Those, if those four to six plays don't work, you tell him, hey, Malik, you take the fuck off and run. Like, just try to make something happen. But you know what? Like I said, like I was saying before, uh, I got so rudely cut off by Anchor. Uh, Malik Willis almost took down Patrick Mahomes, and he had a terrible game, and the Titans still almost beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I, I think that they will be able to manage Danger Russ and the Denver Broncos. I don't know why, but my the Lions thing is doing that thing where oh, they're there. It's like I couldn't find the Lions, and then they are. Um, I'm going with Dangerous just because I don't like Malik Willis, and I think that Denver is going to play a smart enough defense. This is going to be some like 2014. I like Denver. I like the upset. The Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, nine, 9.5 across the board. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, Jess. Let's not spend a lot of time on this game. What do you got? Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs win big. Chiefs win big. I agree. Uh, Cleveland, I like Chiefs. I like the points. Cleveland Browns. Um, is this the Deshaun Watson game? Is it next week? No, week 13. He comes back against the Texans. They are playing the Miami Dolphins. Miami is at home. They are a three and a half point favorite. Jess, who you got? Uh, I've got Miami, man. Miami's rolling right now. The two is looking good. He's low. Mike Mike McDaniel's has you know the playbook running nice and smooth. The defense is playing tough. They just went and uh, uh, picked up a you know I can't remember. They made all these trades, yeah. all sorts of players right there at the trade deadline. The Miami Dolphins are looking really really good right now. I'm still going upset special here. This to me feels like Cleveland runs the absolute shit out of the ball with Kareem Hunt don't hit that blunt big chub, and they keep. Tua Baba Bua off the field, and they don't let uh, Hill have that 200-yard game that he's been having like every week. This <laughs> is going to be old-school Cleveland Browns football. I like something like 24-17 Cleveland. 
The Houston Texans are favorite lovable losers. Shout out Justin Von Doom. They're on the road. They are a four and a half to a five and a half point dog to the New York football giants. Jess, I'm still not drinking that New York Giants football Kool-Aid. Who you got? Again, and just to remind all you listeners, there is only one true football team in New York. That is the Buffalo Bills. Everybody else comes from Jersey. Uh, the New York football giants are don't drink the Kool-Aid, but I love what they've done so far. It's cool to see a football franchise that used to be so storied uh, kind of fall and now like seemingly back on their way up. Um, but in this case, uh, Giants won't win this game. Uh, take the points. Oh, uh, this is one of those seasons where Houston loses close games and Giants win close games. And this is why I feel like the four and a, the four and a half is so apropos. This is a three-point win for the Giants. I like the Giants to win. I like Houston to cover. We're Davis Mills going to – this is going to be the Davis Mills game. This is going right to be fucking 21-20-2020. Mills throws a touchdown pass, two minutes left, and then their defense finds a way to fuck it up and – and fucking uh, <laughs> that, yeah, Jones Jones breaks a 35-yard run. Barkley takes a screen pass, 30 yards. All of a sudden, it's a 50-yard field goal to win. Giants fucking win. Yeah, um, New Orleans, they're a one to a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They are on the road to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is, it, is Vegas trying to tell us Pittsburgh's got a shot here? Who you got? This is such a horrible game. This is a, this is <laughs> such a bad game. Uh, I'm just gonna say big. I'm just gonna tell you I think the Saints win and they will find a way to cover because you have to win by at least one point anyway. So I'm going New Orleans over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, New Orleans by a field goal. I keep <laughs> looking for that. Pickett starts to Pickett has that 300 yard game, but there's a lot of positives out of it, like more positives than negatives, and and, and it's not coming yet. I, you but, know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving up on the Pickett. I'm not either. I, I'm just. I was just gonna say, Big Ben's first year, it wasn't great. He threw no. a lot of interceptions that first year. So, I think that Tomlin is always gonna be okay with a man risk it or biscuit. I'm good with it yep. as long as we're in games. I've been playing with gunslingers my entire fucking career coaching. So. Listen, it's time for us to blow Tomlin. I like Tomlin. I like the points. Pittsburgh, run that rock. Fucking play action passes to those receivers that are still really good. They're going to get them some yak. And I like Pittsburgh here. Let's go 17-24. I want to see a big George Pickens game. So here it is, Jess. First of all, let's get your temperature here on the (laughs) Buffalo Bills because it's been an interesting last few weeks. What's your temperature? How are you feeling right now about Buffalo? No, I, I still I still feel that Buffalo is as good as as advertised at the beginning of the season. I think that every team kind of starts off. It takes the the rest of the NFL a few games to try to figure that squad out. I think that what Buffalo's running into is that other defenses have figured out how to at least yep. put the kibosh on Josh Allen and that slow him down. Got to slow, him down. slow him down. You stack the box, you put pressure on him. And yes, you know, like that happens to every quarterback, but Josh Allen has been able to in to avoid pressure, scramble out of the pocket. Well, what defenses are doing is creating their own pocket around Josh, not allowing him to scramble out, making him uh, decide, do I take the sack? Do I throw the ball away? Or do I throw the ball downfield? Josh, being a cowboy, no pun to the Wyoming, 
likes to just heave the ball downfield and try to make a play that's not worked out so well for him. And now Josh is dealing with this elbow injury. That is the most important thing to think about is whether or not to play Josh Allen. I say you sit Josh, play Case Keenum, take your best chances with Diggs and the talent around you and try to win a game in Buffalo against the Vikings. Let Josh sit. Hell, let Josh sit two, three weeks if he has yeah, to. Yeah, that's where it gets interesting. What, that was my what next you question. need is for – so if you take a look at standings and you have that's to – That's where you're at. You have that's to take a look at, at standings. You got to start chess. You got to start playing chess. What games do we have that are winnable games compared to the Miami Dolphins, who obviously the Dolphins are going to come in, you know, second place uh, to the Buffalo Bills, at least as far as I'm concerned, in the AFC East. You want – I think that – Mahomes, unless something drastic happens with Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to once again find themselves in the number one seed with the bye week and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Here's the problem. You want to at least win the AFC East so you can get into a better bracket and at least play one home game, okay, in the playoffs. And most importantly, you want your potential Super Bowl caliber, MVP caliber quarterback to be 100% healthy once in the playoffs. Don't waste his arm talent on the Minnesota Vikings. Go and rest him. Rest him next week if you have to. Case Keenum has started almost 70 games in his career. Started. Lost 60 of them. Lost 60 of them. But he has started a lot of football games in this league, and he's played at a pretty high caliber at times. I think that the one thing that I've got to go back to is the Minneapolis miracle who threw that football case Keenum who caught that football, Stefan Diggs. guess who's playing together this Sunday case Keenum and Stefan Diggs. So I, I don't think that case Keenum, uh, I don't think that he, he loses to the Vikings. I think it's closer than if Josh is playing. Cause he just brings yeah. so much more to the table, but I still think the Buffalo bills beat the Vikings. Uh, I believe that most of the point spreads are saying like three points, something like that. Three, three and a half across. I'll, I'll take the three and a half. I, I say Buffalo wins by at least one score. And uh, Case Keenum goes out, you know, a semi-hero for the game, right? Good story. So, fucking Allen is not out yet. or Not out all, yet. It's still questionable or whatever the fuck it is what is he uh, questionable or is he coach positive? coach sean mcdermott said he is in on an hour to hour basis wow that's a new one i like that one <laughs> when when can we go to minute to minute basis what, what, yeah. is, what are we fucking doing here why no. why has it got to be out that's a that's a coach answer right there let me tell that you. is that's you don't get a, you don't get much coach more much more coach answer than just hour I'm, to hour. I'm sorry, dude, but if fucking Case Keenum's playing, the Bills lose this game. I'm that's it. That's where I'm at. I feel like this is really simple math. Minnesota is good, maybe great. We can call them regular season, whatever, but they're still really good during the regular season. Them traveling to Buffalo isn't going to be that difficult. It's not that far of a trip. And I feel like it's one thing when you have Josh in the lineup. It's another when you have Case Keenum. And if they fuck around and let Minnesota go up 10 or 14 points quickly, which we've seen Buffalo do this year, that's a problem when Case Keenum's in the game because you can't expect him to make the same plays that Josh makes that make the Bills so fucking explosive. Um, I... 
I would assume that they tighten up the offense here and you get a lot more shorter passes that they hope can be get that yak from these great receivers and these great playmakers. They're going to have to hope that run game gives them something, and they're going to have to hope for a little bit of time, you know, a, a little of um, controlling the ball there, keeping the ball away from Minnesota. But as of right now, if, if you're telling me Josh is playing – even at 50 or 60%, which I agree with you, he should not be playing. No. You got to sit him short-term for the long-term. I think I like Buffalo, and I like the three-and-a-half, but I don't love it because I don't know where he's at. Uh, maybe you play him for a half, and then you sit him for a half. If they're up 10 or 13, I don't know what the strategy is. I just hate the idea of something like an elbow, and you got guys swatting at his arm when he's throwing passes. And you got guys and knocking him on his ass. And you got Josh, who, like you said, who we all know, the fireball kid is a cowboy. And if the play ain't there, he's going to put his head down and he's going to fucking run. Your elbows are going to hit something, either another human being or the <laughs> or the or the, the mat, the floor, the For grass, sure. the turf. So I just I don't like it. It's just to me, it, I don't like any of it. I like Buffalo if Josh plays. I don't like I, barely. I love Minnesota if he does not play. I'd jump I, on that three. I would jump I will on say this. I will, I will say this. I have firmly been okay with the Bills losing this game if Josh doesn't play. It is not the end of the world. Last, no. When we lost to the Jets last week, it was like a crushing blow to all Buffalo Bills or Bills Mafia. All Bills Mafia ego just took a shit There's a after that game. Too. It There's was a, a tough game. Uh, shout out again to the Shout out to the New York football Jets. Robert Sala, we've been talking yes, about him a lot. That's the guy we got to shout out. He came up. He's been coming up with some fantastic ways to get his football team to play football. And, and at a pretty high, you know, pace of football. That defense that they played against Buffalo was superb. And the way they controlled the time of, of possession, they I think they nearly doubled, almost tripled Buffalo's time with the ball. Robert Sala understands what he has with the Jets and is playing to all their major points. So huge, huge props to Coach Sala of the Jets. At some point, we got to look at that uh, that Shanahan tree. It's it's branching off very well. We just it's just it is what it is. I know there's a lot of time. We'll see. We can revisit this in a year, but that that tree's branching well. Um, yeah, let me say this. I, I'm interested again. I'm. I'm. We're gonna keep it moving because we got these one o'clock games. But uh, okay, uh, Jess, we're gonna spend a little bit of time on this, and then we're gonna try and shoot through some of these games. God, these games are all sexy, so it's gonna be nearly impossible. Let's try it. Um, <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts. They are a fucking fire dumpster, spinning out of control, going down a hill. They hired a coach. Who is a who is the pancake guy? It's really he's the pancake guy. He's on ESPN. He does the pancake gimmick on first take, and now he's the head coach. Um, they're playing the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know how the Las Vegas Raiders have had the same coach. How this guy has not gotten fired the past two weeks? I I, I want no part of this fucking game, Jess. With that said, four to four and a half. Vegas is favored. Who you got? This game is this game is. To quote unquote, it is bowling shoe ugly. His booty cheeks. The Colts, the Colts went from 
Like, I don't want to say like a historically storied football franchise. I know that they've won some some championships back. Yeah, they, like, went, you know, they went from a team that people thought might be going to the Super Bowl. Let's yes. keep it fucking real here. They, they literally went from like, oh, you know, like we had Phillip Rivers and then we had, you know, whoever started after that. And now that we have offensive line, Matt Ryan. Jonathan and Taylor. The offensive Matt line. Ryan, we got Jonathan Taylor. Defense, we got all these. Coach. And now we're literally sitting at the precipice of they are about to be the biggest dumpster fire franchise in the NFL. And that's including some of these other teams that are out there that are just huge dumpster fires as they are. The Indianapolis Colts, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know where the hell Jim Irsay's head is, but it might be up his own bubble because the hire of Jeff Saturday, by the way, terrific player, terrific player. Yeah, good guy. Right? We, we Huge, can play that. We can do that. He played He's great football. He's a good guy. He's kind of funny. He's been on He's ESPN. He's hilarious. Things. But, he but let's be real. Gimmick? Up until this point in time, he was the head coach of a high school football team. Yeah, they had a that rest. is the experience level of Jeff Saturday. He is a high school football coach, and I believe it was his first or second year doing that. Yeah, it's not like he's been a high school football coach who's won thirty-five state championships. He's played and coached a year, a year to two years at a high school level. Like, and then Jeff. you go and hire him as your head coach. Call it and then. Call it spade a spade. It's a, it's a you're a rich guy oh, hiring man. a homie. You're a Joe rich, Thomas said it best. Hiring a homie. If, if you guys out there, if you've watched the Joe Thomas interview, Joe Thomas, the former Cleveland Brown. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. So watch the interview. He breaks it down. He's He talks about um, one of his old coaches, uh, Chudznik, um, who – he broke down like this guy's schedule. He was like, if you're a head coach in the NFL, you have no time for friends. You have barely time to eat. You have barely time to go take a leak. You have no time for your family. He was he broke down this head coach's schedule. And out of the whole year, you're talking like a month, like a couple months worth of time that you get to spend with your family. You literally are football, 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 film, film, film. Okay, one day with the kids. Back to football, right football, back football, to film, film, film. And now you go and hire a guy who has been all about his family for years since he retired. You're going to pull him away from his high school football coaching gig to bring him into the NFL. And on top of that, uh, Jim Irsay says, hey, I'm glad we're hiring a guy with no experience because he won't be afraid of what he's stepping into like other coaches who have the experience might be afraid of stepping into. Joe Thomas says that that's one of the most disgusting things he's ever heard from a from a general manager <laughs> in the history of everything he's heard about football. And I tend to agree. Joe Thomas is a great man. He knows football. He's you know he's played yeah. football for a long time at a very well, high level. Ursi is calling a spade a spade, right? Oh, it's ugly. Right up. Listen, it's ugly. He's saying this: if he doesn't win a game, that's okay. It's kind of not expected. If he tanks, if you will, that's okay. Because we we're still gonna he could lose every game for the rest of the season and show up on ESPN the following Sunday to do wild card pancake block segments. The same way <laughs> I saw Herm Edwards on television yesterday talking college football. He just got fired literally on the field. They fired Herm Edwards on the field. He got he lost the game. 
the fucking the head of the school met him and went, "Hey, uh, before you walk off the field, you're fired." And the the AD of the school went, "Hey, I'm just here to co-sign. You're fired." The fuck guy's on television a week later. So Saturday's going to be all right if he loses yeah. every single game. And then guess what, Jess? If he fucks around and fumbles his way into a win, which could happen when you're playing against the Jags, which could happen when you're playing against the Raiders, which could happen, you know, if something just goes right, which tends to happen in the AFC South. Now, all of a sudden, you've got wins and maybe some credibility or maybe enough to keep you around another year. Did it just, Ursay knows what he's doing because, again, it is an absolute win-win. It does not matter how he finishes. They can lose every game by double digits the rest of the season, and Saturday is still going to be loved in that town. He's still not paying for a fucking meal and any restaurant he walks into in Indianapolis. It's just the same as Magic Johnson when Magic was, was coaching the Lakers. Literally the same shit. You get fired on a fucking Tuesday and walk into a fucking restaurant on Friday and get free steak. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it, hey, and, and, and like you said, credit to him for being a good dude and a, and a good man and all that shit and having to build that reputation to, to be put in that scenario. Now, how it ends again, that's a whole nother story. Time will tell here. We will see. Um, Jess, do you like the four? Do you like the Raiders? Or do you think? Yeah, this no, is, this I, I, I to, to get my, my speech out about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I do like the Raiders. I like the points. Uh, I can see this being, you know, like a, a, a 17, 13 type ball game. Yeah. I'm not sure how much the Derek Carr has left in the tank, but yeah. I, I bet he's got enough to beat the Indianapolis Colts. We'll spend some time talking about Carr next episode because trust me, I've never seen Fresno Central Valley people who've supported the Carr brothers their entire life fall off of this guy in his favor more than I've seen now. It's the Look. number. It's <laughs> dropping like you would not believe. It's like that uh, FXT stock. It has no value anymore. Um, All I can I say like is the, this. I like Las the Raiders. Vegas, get ready for the Aaron Rodgers show. Uh, he's, coming next, he's coming next year. I like Vegas. I like the points. I'm going to skip the Green Bay-Dallas game. We'll come back to that. That's yeah, sexy. Back to the, Ra- the, the Cardinals, the Rams, I'm not sure who to think. Who's trending up? Who's trending down? The Rams are a three-point favorite at home. Jess, who you got? No, uh, the Rams are looking really bad. I don't think that Matt Stafford's playing. I think he's still in uh, concussion protocol, possibly yep. just got out. So don't expect him to play. Uh, expect the, the the Cardinals to pick up a win. Both teams way too uber talented to be only at like Where three or at. four wins. It's it's ridiculous. I don't know who to blame, but Car- I'm taking the Cardinals take and obviously the points. Yep. Cardinals upset special here, Jess. I got three or four upsets when the spreads are this close this week. I like the Cardinals. I like Kyler. Hopkins is back. The connection yeah. is back. It's making all his other receivers a little bit more open. It's the, it's the Hopkins effect that I've been talking about the last four or five years on this goddamn show. The San Francisco 49ers are a seven-point favorite against the L.A. Chargers. Jess, the Niners are at home. Who you got? I got San Francisco. They a uh, little bit rejuvenated with uh, CMC in the backfield now. Uh, there, I, I believe that uh, um, who is it? Is it another Shanahan who's over there? Who, whoever the, yeah, uh, the head coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle. The, so I believe that Kyle is uh, using CMC correctly, unlike he was being yeah. used in Carolina. 
Uh, and I, so I expect to see some more big things down the road for that offense. It's going to open up a lot. Jimmy G is going to, you know, be a lot more comfortable having that dump off uh, instead of having to look downfield all the time. He's got every safety valve that every quarterback yes. wants between yes. Debo and the, the tight end they have. And also now CMC. Yeah. Every you guys got more safety valves than did there are quarterbacks in this league that wish they had three fucking safety valves. You give Geno Smith three one safety valve, he'd be fucking in the MVP talks even more. Yeah. So I got San Francisco and I definitely take the points. I I like the, the 49ers. Yeah, Niners shutting up big and Kyle Shanahan, you gave him another toy. And listen, no defense wants to see Debo and CMC running down your throat with exotic plays that make you think in the fourth quarter and them up three to seven. That's well, the, the, in the Chargers, the Chargers, the strength of their defense is their defensive line and the linebackers. I know they're getting Khalil Mack back, but really having those three safety valves, as you just mentioned, it doesn't really work. I mean, they works positively against their strength of the defense. Defense is bigger and slower up front. You got all your quick guys and playmakers right there at your disposal. So 49ers win this one. I like uh, the Niners. I like the points. And the Niners, I feel, are trending up once again. Scary. We'll come back to the last game here, the 1 o'clock game, because I want to get your thoughts on this. Again, shout out our boy Chris W. Powers. He asked us in the chat today about Aaron Rodgers, and the question was, is Aaron Rodgers cooked? I don't know. I don't know. And Jess, Chris has always had a better eye at stuff like this than we have, I believe. So if he's asking the question, it really makes me wonder even more. Because I know we were, we were hinting at it. We were laughingly saying it the last few weeks. But there seems to be more and more tape, more and more evidence, and more and more piling on, which it seems to be getting easier and easier, Jess. Dallas is on the road. They're a four to a four and a half point favorite. Uh, on the road. So let's start here, Jess. Is Aaron Rodgers cooked? Uh, I'm going to give you my – this is my true answer. No conspiracy theory. Aaron Rodgers is playing dead. Aaron Rodgers is throwing ducks on purpose. He's throwing balls into the dirt. I've never seen Aaron Rodgers throw balls into the dirt like he's doing now. He is doing this shit on purpose to get it's back like to the, the – he's, he's, he's getting back to the Packers – for basically taking the last two to three years of his career away from him where they could have loaded him up with talent and they refused to put money on the table and get talent around this man. He just won two back-to-back MVPs. You're going to tell me that two back-to-back MVPs and he's going to come out and throw ducks like this? No, I, I ain't buying it. Aaron Rodgers is done with the Green Bay Packers. He's going to cash that check until the last minute. Then he's going to demand a trade. And like I said earlier, he's going to end up in the Las Vegas playing with Devontae Adams one more time. I loved our comparisons at the beginning of the season. We were comparing Rodgers to KD. And it's like, these guys are trying to force trades. They're not happening. And now they're just stuck and they're miserable. And I feel like that's what's happening. And we're getting a lot of passive aggressiveness from Rodgers. And this is a recipe for disaster when you, as you mentioned earlier, front end a phenomenal front seven combined with his issues with his line, his issues with his receivers, and his issues with just getting on the same page. Uh, hate to make the, he was taking psychedelics while his receivers were wondering where he was during off-season workouts joke, but I mean, it's there to be made. It is. 
I like the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys big. I think this feels like a laydown game for the Cowboys. And Dak just has to not turn the ball over and hand that ball off a lot, find seating and play action formats, and just score 20 points. If you score 20 to 23 points, you're going to win because here's, here's, Bay, here's the thing. Bay's not scoring 17. Here, here's the thing, man. Like, uh, Dak in the past has had a lot of luck against Aaron Rodgers. And this was against a much better Aaron Rodgers led, led team. So I'm I'm taking Dak Prescott in this game all day long. A matter of fact, I think the Cowboys are a team that the NFC should look out for. Because honestly, there's no real top dog outside of the Eagles. And I don't trust the Eagles if they have to play the Cowboys led by Dak Prescott. Yeah. I don't trust the Eagles in their schedule, their cushion cupcake schedule that's got them to where they're at with that that record at, at with zero losses you take Dak and play the cowboys against the eagles i say the cowboys beat the eagles I think, but outside of that i think the cowboys are talented they're getting on the ball again they're starting to run tony pollard is a beast you got zeke to back that up you got all those wideouts to throw the ball to and I hope that Dalton Schultz comes back at some point in time, 100% healthy, to give Dak his safety valve back. You got uh, Green Bay. I'm sorry. You got Philly, who's clearly the elite. And then you got Minnesota, who, if they beat Buffalo, people are going to say they belong with the elite. And then you got a lot of weird teams like Dallas, weird teams like maybe Arizona, the Niners, teams that we, Tampa Bay. Where we go, all right, well, let's see what happens when they get in the playoffs. Let's see how healthy they are when they get in the playoffs. Let's see how things shake off and where they're at when we hit the playoffs. Speaking of the Eagles, just one last game. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are at home Monday night. They are a whopping 11 point. Some websites give them a 10 and a half. Favorite versus the Washington football team. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this, Jess. Who you got? Oh, what do you know? Another laydown game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Congratulations, <laughs> Philly fans. Your your streak of, of cupcake games <laughs> continues. Talking a bunch of shit all night. Monday Good night. Lord. It's gonna be annoying. Eagles win, but they have oh. had the Eagles have struggled. They the have struggled with their last two to three. It's taken them big second half efforts to try to get back on track. Tyler or Taylor, pass me the Heineke hanky is going to at least give fits to the Eagles, okay? I don't uh, I don't think that it's an 11-point game. I think the Eagles win by something like, you know, seven, nine points, something like that. I don't think it's going to be a laydown game. The Commanders are not a bad football team. They're just not a great football team. Yeah, they're in a weird Rivera once again, getting them into that nobody believes in us mentality, which just for some reason works for a lot of his teams going back to Carolina. <laughs> um, and and they're, if they're able to keep this, I don't know, a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter, people should be fucking alarmed for Philly because this is another game where, like you said, they should be fucking steamrolling and they're not. I think that if they are, when Buffalo was rolling, they were steamrolling bad teams. And if Philly is going to be on that same level, they should be steamrolling bad teams, just like Washington. I like Philly. I don't like the points. I think that Washington sticks around and keeps it a seven point game late. Philly puts it away just because they keep the ball long enough. And I like, I like Philly. I don't like the points. Just hit the wrap it up button here. We both got things to do.
Yeah, that's it, folks. Thanks for taking a taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to us. Hopefully, you you know you can either skip through the MMA stuff or hit the NFL or vice versa or whatever you want to no, do. Listen to the whole show. Whatever please. you do, we just want to say we appreciate you listening at all. Yeah, thank you very much. Shout out to everybody that listens. Shout out to all the people on Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter. Uh, Jay uh, goes by Valdez spelled backwards five five nine. I go by uh, JTT eighty one. And then you can also follow the pod, which is gaining a little steam in the Twitter area. Sure it um, does. You know, hey, if we could get somebody to pay $8 a month so Elon verifies we blew at it. least one of us, I think that would be awesome. No, I think we blew it. I think there was a chance to do it, and now I don't think you could do it anymore. I think we should have. Uh, uh, da- Daddy Elon, if, you, if you're listening. Please. Just just the blue check would be great. It would be awesome. Please. Hey, follow the show at Team Toss 21. Folks, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy all the football. We'll be back next week. Peace, guys.